All right, welcome into Sports 1140 KHDK. Hopefully you enjoyed our Golf to Go Golf Hour with Frank LaRosa and myself over the last hour. It was great catching up with the legend Al Geiberger uh, over the last uh, half hour or so of the show. That was a lot of fun. Now tonight we got Kings basketball as the Sacramento Kings are back in action. We're leading you up till that as it's the Kings and the Suns to start a four-game road trip for your Sacramento Kings. So Kings and Phoenix Suns tonight, just to lay out our setup for you, we'll have game night. Scott Marsh, the high flyer. Henry Turner, that's coming your way at 5.30. Uh, 6.30, Kings Live pregame. And then at 7 o'clock, it will be the Kings and the Suns with the G-Man, Gary Gerald, on the call. Uh, today, amongst uh, many things, uh, no Lincoln Kennedy today. It looks like we we're going to reschedule Lincoln for tomorrow. Uh, so that'll be perfect leading up to Thursday Night Football tomorrow. Good one, actually, tomorrow. Uh, the Packers and the Cardinals. Uh, but we will have Chris Landry from LandryFootball.com. He's going to join us at 5 o'clock. We will play some sound from the commissioners. Oh, they're talking. Uh, Chris and I talked a little bit about that yesterday with Rob Manfred, but uh, Roger Goodell talking today as well. Yeah, they're talking. We'll just we'll just leave it at that. You'll hear some of that. They're trying to one up each other. I, I maybe one down each other. Yeah, that's probably the better phrasing. Uh, I don't know who wins, lost on this one. Probably all of us, but we'll let you hear some of that audio today. Um, also. Plenty more on baseball in the World Series. We're one game in. We got game two coming up, and then m- much more about the uh, NBA as well. So we got we got a lot to cover today. We're glad uh, you're here with us. Thank you for those of you checking us out on YouTube. Hello, thank you, and the rest of you on our smart speakers or on um, our app. Maybe you're checking us out there, or certainly on uh, the radio. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for doing that. So here we go. Let's start you out today right off the top with. First things first. And it's not playing for me. Let me try that again. I'm, I'm in vapor lock right now. Let's see how we do this here. We'll get it together. But we go with... First things first. Hey. first, things first. Thank you, Chris. Now I'm going to need some time to get my other stuff set up. But thank you, Chris. Uh, yes, Kings and Suns tonight. It is a Sacramento walking into what I said yesterday is a difficult situation because of where Phoenix is, where Phoenix has their expectations, um, how they've been playing so far. Both teams come in one and two. I would say nationally, people have far more expectations of the Phoenix Suns, as they should, based on the year they had a year ago. Um, The Sacramento Kings don't have a lot of national expectations. They've got their own expectations for what they've put together so far this year. And I think they should be um, pleased with what they've done, but hungry for more. And try to figure out what's been missing as of late. Because if you think about it, um, it's all in how you look at things. We always say that. The Kings are one and two. So your record dictates the team, you know, what your overall feel in your record is. Then you go inside the games. I never really felt like they were going to lose the Portland game. But that could have gone the other way. I thought there were chances to win the Utah game for sure. And certainly chances to win the Warrior game. So it depends if you want to be super optimistic. Oh, the Kings could be 3-0. and I don't really think they should be. I think 1-2 and is about right because they've had fourth quarter failures. They've had worse performances in the second half. I feel like they should have beat the Blazers by more than they did, but it, that doesn't matter. They would still be 1-2. and I feel like their record is, is pretty much in line of the way they've played. But how can they switch this? Well, a couple of things. Uh, one, the... Attention to detail that they've had in the defensive end in the first half has been considerably better than in the second half, really, of all three games. And their fourth quarter offense 
has just been bad. Not even subpar or okay. No, it's been bad. Numbers suggest that. Results suggest that. Even in the win. So, cleaning those things up. One, there's two parts of that. One, stop giving the ball away. I mean, just silly turnovers. And number two, generally, the league balances itself out. Where if you have a hot shooting day, you might have a a good shooting week. But record-setting numbers don't generally stay that way. The Kings have had awful fourth-quarter shooting numbers. And awful shooting numbers really across the board from their guards. Now, the one player who's shooting lights out is Harrison Barnes. I'm going to tell you this. I love it. I don't expect that to keep up as far as the hot shooting. He still may be equally good and as productive. But De'Aaron Fox is shooting poorly. Terrence Davis is shooting poorly. Buddy Heald is shooting poorly. Tyrese Halliburton, Davion, they all are. They've all had moments, but they're all shooting poorly through three games. So I don't know if it's this easy. Hey, just make your shots. Well, it's a make or miss league. We know that. They have missed open looks. So I think the results will be different had they made that. The problem is they haven't. Uh, also giving up the ball in the fourth quarter, I think, has skewed some of the defensive numbers. But that's part of their reality. That is what hap- has happened to them. So that would be the fix, the quickest fix uh, for a more consistent performance. But Phoenix comes in off of a home loss to open the year where they didn't play very well against Denver. They got that middle game win against the Lakers, and then they just got trounced by the Blazers. So uh, with off since Saturday, a team that was really good defensively last year, that's what helped get them into the postseason in that high of a seed and then all the way through the playoffs. They haven't been good yet defensively. So I feel like Phoenix is kind of just finding their groove into the season. This is the start of a five-game homestand. Six of the next seven will be at home for the Suns. You kind of hope they find that groove after Sacramento clears clears out and is on to the next game of the road trip. Not tonight. You hope it's not tonight uh, against the Kings. All right, more First Things First. First Things First. All right, last night, the World Series underway. First game in the books, and uh, congratulations to the Braves. Ground ball out to Ozzy, boots it, picks it up, throws to first base, and deep in the heart of Texas, the Braves have taken game one. They are three wins away from a World Series championship. Yeah, good start. Good start for the Atlanta Braves. Speaking of good start, how about this? Hit well, deep left. That's going back. That ball is gone. one nothing Braves. And Jorge feels like busting loose. And that's how you start a World Series. Yes, a leadoff home run from the first. But what a tone. That just set a great tone yesterday. Uh, the Braves got off to that good start as we were while we were on the air. They get 12 hits, score six runs. They have to go to the bullpen. And the only bad thing about the game yesterday certainly was the injury to Charlie Morton. A leg fracture? My goodness. I mean, he had to leave the game in the third last night. And the other parts of the bullpen came in and did their job. Now... For the Houston Astros side of things, they just really never got going. Uh, terrible start uh, from Valdez. He just never looked comfortable. What Because they went to so many bullpen guys, the, the one thing I wonder about is the Astros did get a good look at a lot of the Braves relievers in this series. So they got some, some eyes on them, some swings on them, and I don't know if that'll help as the series goes along, but the Braves set the tone for game one. Or for the series with a game one win. Uh, Jose Urquidy goes today for Houston. Max Fried goes for the Braves, who had been really good the last couple of outings in the postseason, not so much. 
So Braves, Astros, one nothing series advantage for Atlanta. But how about uh, Charlie Morton continuing to pitch after he got hit with the line drive, then stayed in the game, pitched a few more batters with uh, what has been a season-ending fracture. And I saw quotes from him apologizing to his teammates. Um, just, just unbelievable that he even had to do that. Sorry, I got hit by a ball and broke my leg. Yeah, sorry, guys. I'm letting you down. Not at all. You still pitched. I think it was, I don't know how many more outs he got out of that. Because it was the inning prior. Then he came back in and just the combination of all the things that went. Um, here's a manager, Brian Snitker, on Charlie Morton. He wanted to keep going because he was down in the tunnel and he was throwing against the wall. And it said, you know, it's just kind of hurts more when I run. I feel good when I throw. I mean, just the fact that he wanted to keep going that's charlie i mean he he wants to be on this stage and god bless him it's it's i hate it for him really hate it for him he's such a great person great person and teammate i just i do i do i really hate it for him because i know he was really looking forward to this run with us well and you know he's still a part of it he still could get a ring he's been a big postseason pitcher the last couple of years on whichever team he's been on um but it's unfortunate that uh, at this point He's out. He is out. So too bad there for him, and we'll see how this series goes. Um, But it's game two tonight between Houston and Atlanta. First things first. First things first. First. All right, last night in the NBA, some interesting moments, including for a while there. It looked like the Warriors were in trouble, maybe going to lose for the first time as uh, they were in OKC. Pass to the corner to Andre. Let's it fly. Higadala for three. That's a huge bucket there. 99-90 Warriors with 345 to go. Yeah, Warriors had a, a big second half, a big third quarter, because they didn't play very well in the first half at all. Tim Roy on the call. It's good to have more of the pieces back. Igadala, who was missing against the Kings, helped out there. Steph goes for 23. Warriors go to 4-0. Thunder. Drop to 0 and 4. More from the night last night. Uh, Utah in a battle with Denver looked good. Conley finds Ingles. Open three. Good. Yeah, quick highlight there as Utah got the win against the Denver Nuggets, 122 to 110. I do think Utah is the best team in the West. Um, maybe not the most talented, but team. They've been together, the continuity, the games played before, where they finished a year ago, what they have back. And this was a night where Gobert was really good, and the Jazz go to 3-0. and In the game, Jokic uh, hurt his knee, I guess, reports today. Nothing seems to be too serious. That certainly is encouraging because Denver's a good team, certainly, um, but not nearly as good without the MVP. I mean, he is, he is so good at making people, making people better. And the other one last night I think that caught some attention was the Lakers playing without LeBron as they were in San Antonio against the Spurs. With under a minute to play. Yeah, Malik Monk with that deep three. Lakers looked different last night, not because LeBron was out, but I think because because he was out, we saw a much more aggressive and the best version as a Laker of Russell Westbrook. His final stat line, 33 points, 10 boards, 8 assists, 3 steals, just 3 turnovers. Chris, that looks like the Westbrook that we've seen for the last, I don't know, 6, 7 years. And I think there's a question that needs to be asked. What's that? Are the Lakers better without LeBron? Uh, you can ask it, and I will say... No. The record proves differently. 1-0? Mm-hmm. Okay. 
Do we have other numbers like the year they were the three seed and LeBron got hurt for the rest of the year and they missed the playoffs? No. We don't, we don't want to use those details. That's pre-pandemic. Okay. Oh, you're right. I mean, that was crazy <laughs> It's talk. a different game. Totally different game. Different game, different time. Um, I did think, by the way, they would beat the Suns last year and then AD and LeBron got hurt. But, hey, here they are. Uh, Westbrook, that's good for him, at least in a Laker uniform, to get that win over the Spurs. I didn't say if they were or weren't. I just said the question needed to be asked. Fair enough. It's allowed. It's been asked uh, and attempted to be shot down. We'll see if it can be backed up. LeBron, you know what, Chris? LeBron is out tonight as well. So if another Laker win. Hmm. hmm. You see, they didn't have Westbrook those seasons you were talking about. Fair point. I think we're on to something. Chris Verlaud says LeBron is washed. Did I go too far? Was it too far of connecting the dots? Uh, we'll see how it goes. Okay. <laughs> So because Lake- I want to be right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Lakers go to 2-2 two and two, uh, with the win uh, last night. All right, let's get you more. First things first. First things first. First things first. first. All right, some news from 49ers camp. This was from the other day after yet another uh, disappointing game by the 49ers. You're getting some scrutiny here. Do you think you deserve it? Yeah, you lose four, four games in the row. I'm the head coach of this team. Um, I expect it, and I deserve it. All right, there's uh, Kyle Shanahan. More from Shanahan as well after they lost that game Sunday night and just played poorly all the way around. I'm pretty down on there right now. I mean, losing four games in a row, you know, it's been a month, um, and that's tough. I told the guys they got to be tough-minded. Um, they got to stick together. I think we got guys with high character in there. I think we got a good enough good, good enough football players, and we got to handle whatever we're going to get, and we got to come back and play better next week for Chicago. Yep, that's it. That's what's ahead for the 49ers. So news today from the 49ers camp. A couple of things. It looks like Trey Lance was limited in practice today. Uh, George Kittle, the reports there, it looks like he'll be available to go uh, in practice next week. I still think it's going to be Jimmy G's show to run. And every time we talk about the 49ers, this is my thought on them and where they stand right now. Uh, the standings, it's not good, right? They've lost four in a row. The, the momentum can shift quickly. It is, should be all about the Chicago Bears this week for the 49ers. And locking in on that, not having a chance to have a slip-up, this needs to end up as a W for San Francisco. Uh, if you can get to 3-4, and four, you stop the bleeding of the losing streak. I'm assuming in that game, Jimmy G will, would play well enough to, I don't know if he's ever going to calm the concerns of, of, of Niner fans out there, but that would get him a third win. And then you're getting ready for two brutal weeks, but two weeks that I think can can either jump and vault you right back into the mix or give you more clarity on where you're going. And what I mean by that is if you beat the Bears to get to three and four, you have the Cardinals and the Rams the next two weeks, the top two teams in your division. And You've already lost to the Cardinals. Remember in a competitive game, lost by, was that 17-10, I think, without Trey Lance? I mean, sorry, without Jimmy Garoppolo, and Trey Lance was just kind of a running quarterback almost most of that game, made a few plays, but defense played really, really well. If they can get through those two weeks successfully, you've relaunched your season. If it goes the other way, I think your season is going the direction that it's been going for the last four weeks, and maybe that makes it easier to say, all right, we're transitioning. We're moving on from Jimmy Garoppolo to Trey Lance. They're not there yet, but that decision could be coming very, very soon, especially as Trey Lance gets healthier 
and especially as he uh, starts to get those reps back going in practice. So that's something to watch for uh, this week. All right, more First Things First. First Things First. First Things First. First. All right, tomorrow night you have a Thursday night football. We're looking forward to that one with the Cardinals, as we just mentioned them, and the Green Bay Packers. Looks like J.J. Watt has been ruled out of that game. And uh, we know about the COVID-19 situation for the Packers with Devontae Adams earlier in the week and certainly uh, Lazard, Alan Lazard, who is now out because he is unvaccinated. And whether that's contact tracing or not, he has to be out for five days. But here is Aaron Rodgers talking about uh, the situation with Devontae Adams. There's a little bit of a shock factor for sure when it's Devontae, but we dealt with it last year. You know, we're maybe slightly more healthy than some of the other teams as far as not having as many cases but when I heard 17 I was uh, hoping that uh, it was going to be one of those false pauses for sure yeah when he first said 17 what 17 cases so about number 17 uh Devontae Adams so we'll see what kind of impact that has in tomorrow night's Thursday night game all right more first things first first things first first things first all right this story uh, it's probably not that intriguing to the masses, but Chris, you and I were talking about this before the show. There, there's a lot going on in the NFL right now, and it's it's off the field. And this one's regarding Stan Kroenke, the Rams owner, um, has basically upset other NFL owners. And this is where you need to kind of understand, like picture the 32 NFL owners in a room. The idea is that they're all equal. That's the idea. What we're led to believe and what we've been told, it's pretty much Jerry, Stan Kroenke. Those are the two main guys that kind of have moved a lot. There might be a couple others, but it's not an even um, 32. Craft? Uh, Craft. Yeah. He's another one. He's up there. But Jerry and Kroenke have been working very, very closely. So if we back backtrack to when football's not in L.A. for 20 years, Rams had moved away, Raiders are up here. The NFL did its own internal survey on trying to get NFL back to L.A., and their best findings at that time thought it would be best suited. I know the Raiders were involved. Was it Raiders and Rams? Raiders Raiders and and Chargers. Chargers. Yes. Rams stay in St. Louis. Rams stay in St. Louis. Or move someplace else. Right, but just not Los Angeles. And They felt in in their studies, their, their group, that the Raiders and the Chargers made the most sense. That was the initial... This is what our committee has decided upon. And this is, we remember when the Kings were going through the same thing. Mm-hmm. The NBA did the same thing. And I believe it was 8-0 Kings to stay in Sacramento. Yeah. When they were talking about moving the team. And, you know, it still could have moved, but the league looked at things. And obviously we know how that all played out. So this is what the league's independent kind of investigation and some league people had all felt would be the best. Well, I, I think at that time, uh, we know Stan Kroenke is one of the wealthiest owners in all of sports, one of the wealthiest people in the world, um, wanted to bring the Rams to St. Louis, and somehow everything shifted. And the Raiders weren't considered, because Kroenke didn't want the Raiders to compete with him. He wasn't intimidated by the Chargers at all. He knew they would be the top team in L.A. And Jerry Jones was m- very much for getting more teams in L.A. because look at what that's going to do for just the sport, for this room. Look what it's going to do for yes. all of us owners here in this room. We're going to get rich, just even wealthier. We're going to be rich. <laughs> <laughs> so, cool concept, cool idea. That's how it was looking. Well, there's also a lawsuit going on with Stan Kroenke and St. Louis. Which there were, they, he was leaving early from the lease. Right. So, there was always going to be a lawsuit. Yes. 
and Kroenke at the time, Chris, was taking care of kind of the bills in this process. I will take care I of the legal fees. I got it. Give me to L.A. and I got this. Well, and if you're if you're an owner, it's like okay, sure, yeah. okay. Well, that sounds good. I guess. I mean, if you're taking care of like the Your nasty business. business in St. Louis, yeah. and we don't have to worry about it, and we're gonna make more money with you in L.A. Okay, I mean, how's that? How's that bother me in Detroit? How's that bother me in Cincinnati? Probably doesn't until today or until now. Hey uh, guys, <laughs> um, apparently he's uh, made a pivot, Cronky, and Jerry Jones is very supportive of this. Because Kroenke is asking the rest of the owners to help out. Yes, the rest of the room to help out with his lawsuit. And Jerry is quick to point out, hey, guys, look at how much money we made by this move. Getting Stan and the Rams in L.A. Look at how much we've all made. We can cover it, guys. All of us, right? Well, I'm sure if you and I were, let's say, we're we're, um, Indianapolis and we're detroit and we're going yeah why why am i i mean thank you cool i'm glad we made some extra money here but i wouldn't have done all this had i known he would want to back out of doesn't he have the most money by the way why are you backing out of this why are you making me pay for this and reports were that the owners were saying like hey we wouldn't have voted for you to begin with there was already going to be an la team there you're the re- you saying that you would pay for the bills made us vote for you to move to L.A. Yeah, apparently the league has lost many of its motions and was denied a hearing in the U.S. Supreme Court. So this case is going to entangle all 32 teams and cost millions in legal fees. So here's the big I don't know how much of that story that you read. Yeah, but here's the big sticking point in this and why he wants the rest of the league to pay for the legal defense. It's because uh, in the process, the judge stated that there needed to be, from all the teams, there needs to be email evidence and phone records. Phone records, right. Of everything having to do with the move from St. Louis to Los Angeles. Apparently, there is one owner or representative for one of the teams that people said it was a blueprint for everything that the Rams uh, did wrong in the uh, relocation process, like all the rules that they were supposed to follow, they just didn't follow and they just left because they wanted to. And they didn't follow any of the rules that the NFL or the city put together for the Rams in St. Louis. Not good. There's some more details. I'm looking at this too, Chris. Jim Ursay of the Colts reportedly said the owner should call Kroenke back into the room and answer questions from, from everybody. And uh, Jerry Jones quickly argued that Kroenke shouldn't do so without an attorney. I mean, which is <laughs> this like isn't what? A, this isn't a trial, right? To begin with, and on top of that, the NFL has really quickly said, "Like, we're going to handle all of this, but we don't want to tell you how the right. sausage gets made." Yep. Art Rooney, the Steelers, said the lawyers um, should handle all these issues. Uh, a mayor of the Giants reiterated that nobody in the room would have voted for Kroenke to move if not for the. I mean, it's just. I don't know where it's going to go. I don't even know how interesting it is to the public. But just the the little crumbs that we've had over the years on this, I still remember that very well. I'm like, wait a minute. Didn't the league's committee say Chargers and Raiders? And now it's going to be Rams and Chargers? Wait, what happened here? Well, at first it was just going to be the Rams. And then they worked out a deal with him to bring the Chargers. Which he was like, yeah, uh, I'm, that's fine. Yeah. The Raiders are still more popular than us in L.A. anyway. But I, uh, Chargers, yeah, who cares? Uh, just... 
messy. And the St. Louis lawsuit, all of this is is absolutely, absolutely messy. So we'll see where this goes. All right. We hit our first break. As we said, coming up, uh, Chris Landry from LandryFootball.com will join us at 5. we got a lot more to get to in the Kings and the Suns. Some things to watch for and listen for tonight in the first matchup between these two teams. We'll have that when we come back here on Sports 1140 KHDK. Kings rebound. Here comes Fox again. By one defender. Blows to the rim and scores again. Aaron Fox back-to-back possessions makes it 71 57 after a slow start when he missed his first five shots fox now has six points also has six rebounds in this one that was from the preseason the kings and the phoenix suns they're going to meet today for the first time in the regular season we got more on that coming up here in a moment chris did you see the news earlier today about uh one of your favorite athletes jj reddick oh i thought you were gonna say joe kelly well, that one too, but I don't. I don't have any news on him. I J- did see that. JJ Redick is. Uh, we know he officially retired before the season started, and he is going to work for ESPN in the studio as a studio analyst and a game analyst. So I think um, that's like sometimes this is a fit. This is a fit. Like he was really good in his podcast, and he's been a good guest that we've had on the station before and a post game show as well. <laughs> I think this is going to work. Just for, I don't just think well. he was that great of a guest on the post game show what are you referring to him just taking off in the middle of it was that the clippers yeah yeah there was a clipper thing where that was i forget what they if they had a fine or you had to do no. something if you were last in the locker room if you're the last person in the locker room you had to dance for everybody okay and so yeah i remember that was a game i was literally doing and um interview and it was mid questions like gotta go and because whoever was on getting interviewed by tv he just he was well aware of the situation and he just left what's great is it's just like Man, what a jerk. Why did he do that? Yeah. And then when you hear the story about and it wasn't even like it came out later that day. It was like a month later Yeah, where the story came out of this is what they do. Yeah, because that would have been one they could have told us. He's like, hey, look, I'm gonna, I may go at any minute. That's fine. I'll get these questions in quickly. And uh, he was gone. He was gone like that. So, uh, J.J. Reddick, yeah, I think he'll do a good job. He'll be a good studio analyst and certainly in-game analyst when he gets that opportunity. Uh, tonight, though, it is the Kings – and the Suns from Phoenix. As we said, game night comes your way at 5.30. G-Man with the play-by-play at 7. Tough situation for Sacramento because Phoenix is beginning a five-game homestand, uh, losing very badly in their uh, home opener and their last game. Their middle game, they had the win against the Lakers, and what got the most attention out of that was the little dust-up, we'll say, between Dwight Howard and uh, Anthony Davis in that one. But looking at watching the kind of the results and, and seeing the Suns play, for the first three games, the one thing that's jumped out to me by far that is different than last year is their defense. At the moment, right? It's three games, so take it for what it is, small sample size. But right now, Phoenix is 24th in the league in defense. 24th. That was a top 5-6 defense last year. Uh, They're 21st in scoring. So they're not going to beat you with offense. As of now, that's not what they've been. They want to do it defensively. I think that's how they, they're made up. I think that's what their ideal look would be. And this is a good roster. Honestly, I like their roster more this year than I even did last year. There were a lot of rounds in the playoffs. I thought, well, they're not going to get through this team. They're not going to beat this team. And then they just kept going. And I didn't think they'd beat the Bucks, but they were up 2-0 and they could have. So they just kept defying a lot of things last year. But it is a team that, as of now, has not found what Monty Williams would have wanted in a consistent 
defensive presence. Now, the fact that they can start the lineup that played all those games and played in the finals of Crowder, uh, Bridges, Aiton, Paul, and Booker, I mean, we talk about continuity with the Kings. This team now has some serious continuity and been in the biggest of big battles. So what we've said about the trends with the Sacramento Kings could fall right into that same line tonight where it's, hey, the Kings have played good first half defense. They're playing well. They look the part. And here we go. They get to the fourth quarter, five minutes to go, when a team that's been in maybe higher leverage games or bigger moments together responds. Yeah, that's something we could put out there. But you know what? This Kings group has now played together a lot. And I know there's there's still that term, and sometimes there's code in there when you say they're a young team. I joked with that with Doug before. He's like, oh, our Seattle team, they're young. No, they're bad. Sometimes there's code for bad. I don't... When the Kings are called young now, I, I don't think they're young. They're, they have experienced players that have played together. Now, there's a couple of new pieces, but two of the new pieces are Alex Lynn and Tristan Thompson, who've played a ton of basketball together, and then Davion Mitchell. And Davion Mitchell was the most, to me, NBA-ready get, uh, guy to go in the draft. Played so much college basketball and has earned so much trust already by playing a lot of minutes, if not the most minutes, on the roster on some of these games. So it could be utilized as maybe that's a reason what happens late, but I don't th- I don't think it should be. I think it's it's self-inflicted wounds by the Kings and poor shooting. Now, tying that all in, poor shooting, couldn't that be turned around tonight? Here's a night that maybe, if trends continue, it could. Here's what Phoenix has done defensively. In their first three games, as I mentioned, they are 24th in defense right now. And tonight on the injury front, by the way, uh, Kings appear to be healthy and everybody ready to go for the Suns. Sarich, who's been out since last year, since getting injured in the playoffs. And then Cameron Payne, that's that's added depth. Uh, he is out. So here's where, you know, the second next point guard that comes in will be another nice piece, another addition to this Phoenix Suns team. Alfred Payton. I like the addition of Payton, of JaVale McGee, of Landry Shamit. I think that's a good fit to go with that five that played a ton of games. And then Cam Johnson was a big fan of what he's done. He's a great shooter and really had a good playoff last year. So here's what I'm talking about of where things could maybe switch as far as all those poor shooting numbers right now by the Kings and the Kings guard specifically. First game of the year for Phoenix. They gave up 110 points, 17 threes, and 55% shooting by, or 53% shooting by Denver. So that's a team that's, you know, everything runs through Jokic, but if he is setting up everyone in a comfortable way, they obviously got a lot of good looks. And I'll have to watch Phoenix a little bit closer. I don't know if they're funneling everything defensively in and going under screens and kind of collapsing the paint and protecting the middle and trying to get things towards Aiton. But to hit 17 threes is pretty significant, and to score 110 and shoot 53%, that's a tough game to win. That was in Phoenix's building, in the home opener, with probably a lot of fanfare and excitement, and uh, they got worked a bit in that game. So then they get an opportunity to go on the road. They go to L.A., a Laker team that I think we all would agree right now has not found their way yet. They're 2-2, two and two, but they haven't looked that great, and last night they played without LeBron and found a good version of Russell Westbrook but they haven't looked this, their part with the preseason when we saw them here against the Kings. 
uh, figuring out how to use Westbrook and LeBron and AD all together hasn't clicked. So on that night, Phoenix was up comfortably, ended up winning um, by 10, but the Lakers scored 105, not a great number, only shot 40%, but hit 15 more threes. So the three could be a weapon tonight, and then we go to the last game that Phoenix played on Saturday in Portland, and it was ugly. Phoenix lost 134 to 105. Another day where the opposing team shot the ball well. Portland shot 54%, but they hit 21 three-pointers, 21 of 50. So the things to watch here is can which will adjust better? Which will find its way? Will Phoenix's defense, which was top six in the league last year, improve quicker? Or will the Kings' jump shooting ability and three-point consistency that was kind of more there in the preseason show up here in this game? Did you happen to read the stats that Dave Deuce Mason put out on the first couple of games for the Kings? Uh, he told me them, but yeah, go for it. So in the first half, the Kings are... In the, rated in the league, six in offense and defensive rating, mm-hmm. which is like, wow. that That's that's a sign of a really good team, but that's the first half. First half. Second half, they're ranked 19th in offensive rating okay. and last in defensive rating. Not good. Fourth quarter. Yeah, the trouble quarter. 28th in offensive rating, last in defensive rating. So, that's, so they are the worst team in the fourth quarter. In the fourth quarter of, a game, of two games where even – if I'm not mistaken, Chris, I think with four minutes left in both games, well, all the games, but the fourth minutes left with Portland, I think the lead was a little bit larger for the Kings. All of them were up in the air. The Jazz, it was tied. Four minutes to go, the game was tied. Uh, four minutes to go with the Warriors, I think it was a two-possession game, maybe three or four points. And that's with playing that poorly in the fourth quarter, which, again, tells me I don't think they're far off. But why are those numbers happening? Why are those so drastic where you go, wow, top six offense, top six defense in the first half? That's the sign of a great team. I don't think anybody's saying this is a great team. The second half, though, that's so drastic. If the games are only a half, they would be a great team. Right. But that's such a drastic scenario where, you know, over the last couple years, we've seen this team all over the place where, oh, maybe they wake up in the fourth quarter, they were down 18, and they get it to close, and then they lose by six. Uh, This is one where... They're kind of fizzling as the game goes on. So uh, I don't know. Phoenix is the. It's certainly not a team you get right on generally, but it would be a great feeling to get this one if the Kings could to get to two and two uh, before they uh, continue this road trip that has the games in New Orleans, um, Dallas, and Utah. So it's the Kings and the Suns tonight. Those are really interesting numbers by Sacramento on Sacramento right now of how they've looked to date, what they've done well, and how inconsistent, I guess. We have to keep in mind it's three games, much like I said, the same stats with Phoenix. In the end, what do I believe? I believe that Phoenix will be a a pretty good defensive team, but I'm not a full-on believer that they are the best in the West. I know they ended up being a two-seed last year and made it to the finals. I don't know how much of a surprise it was. I think that's something that happens early in the year. I remember... The Kings played Phoenix twice in a back-to-back situation in Game 2 and Game 3 last year, and they split. And a few games later, Phoenix really started to go, and people were like, oh, Phoenix is one of the better teams. Like, I don't know about that. And then after they start to back that up with great production, then you realize they're a good team. And a little bit like we said this year with the Giants, it's the parallel. Like, oh, I didn't expect the Giants to be anything in baseball. And then 
first month, that's a surprise. Wow, they still have the best record after May. And then when you get that far into the season, okay, forget it. They're good. They're really good. And they were. And they backed that up and showed it. And so did the Sun. So when will they find their groove? Hopefully it's after this. And they will play the Kings twice in the next uh, six games when they'll be back here at Golden 1 uh, in a few days as well. But that's how the road trip starts for the Kings and for the homestand for the Suns. We got more on this, more on the night in the NBA as well, and uh, much more on the World Series. The commissioner's talking, and uh, Chris Landry from LandryFootball.com, he will join us at 5 as we continue right here on Sports 1140 KHTK. And Suns coming your way at 7 right here on Sports 1140 KHTK as uh, the first of four matchups between these two teams. The Kings, really a difficult beginning to their season here schedule-wise, but uh, Chris just gave some of those numbers that uh, Deuce had there that I know we'll have in our pregame show as well. Um, oh, man, did I steal Deuce's thunder? Yeah, well, he put it out there, right? If it's out there, actually, I had he, we talked about these numbers today. I didn't want to bring them up because I didn't know how much we were going to do in our pregame with it. But obviously, if you put it out there, then it's for the world to see. You know what? I'm just going to lie now. I found those numbers. There you go. Chris did it first. Deuce took them from you. Now he's stealing my thunder. Ah, huh. there's a lot of thunder being stolen going on. Yeah. Okay. I mean, they started by stealing, right? Good point. Mm. Yeah. The whole organization. Yep. Uh, tonight, though, it's the Kings and the Suns in matchup number four of the year for the Sacramento Kings. A couple of the things we will address a little bit later. Yesterday, I had a chance to talk to head coach of the Kings, Luke Walton, on his weekly appearance. We'll get into some of the things that coach brought up yesterday and kind of evaluate that on the Kings right now. For example, De'Aaron Fox and his fourth quarter struggles. Really, it's more fourth quarter game struggles. I know a lot of people, and and this is the beauty of where De'Aaron has made it to now at this point when you are a franchise centerpiece a player that you know De'Aaron Fox if I mean if you think about what could happen like if we want to start going down a a crazy thought train in a positive way on the Sacramento Kings imagine if the Sacramento Kings this year had the type of season that the Phoenix Suns did last year they don't even have to do the the playoff portion part as far as getting to the finals, but a two seed, a, a complete turnaround. I mean, you've got to remember what Phoenix did. They had been out of the playoffs for 10 consecutive years. Kings, we know it's been 15, but Phoenix had a worse record in that run than Sacramento. They were really, really bad. Kings weren't great. Phoenix was bad. And they got invited to the bubble in Orlando. I thought, why are they, why are the Suns going? Then remember what they did there? They won the eight games and just missed. They almost got into the play-in scenario, something that we were hoping the Kings would do. But Phoenix, the point there is they were starting to develop some players. They added Chris Paul, which certainly put him over the top, and then they had just an amazing season. So thinking along those lines, if the Kings had a season like that, you're at least getting at least – one all-star, if not more than one. But let's just say one in De'Aaron Fox, likely, right? At this point, it's only three games in. 
But people were talking about Chris Paul as the MVP. He didn't get it. I don't know that he should have, but you think about the value. Like, that's that's more in the most valuable portion of the conversation when it's MVP of what he does for teams that he goes to. They win. That OKC team that he got traded to the one year after Houston, I thought, oh, they're just going to flip him. There was a lot of talk about him going to Miami or some other teams. He stayed in OKC. That was not a great team at all, and they made it to the playoffs. They were out in one round, but they made it. Uh, everywhere he's been, he's made people better. He made David West an all-star in New Orleans. He made DeAndre Jordan an all-star with the Clippers. He has helped big men. I, I wouldn't be surprised one day if he stays there for a couple more years, if Aiton gets there, has the potential to. Booker was already trending that and is now an all-star. But they had a couple of all-stars. They had a coach of the year conversation. They had executive of the year conversation and winners and made it to the finals. I mean, an absolute dream season that I'm sure nobody in Phoenix thought could happen or would happen. They were just excited to get that run. Hey, can we make the playoffs? That's what we want here. I know Doug, when he was with me and throughout that lofty term all the time, world champion Sacramento Kings. Speak it into his existence. That's what he would say. And my thought is if they started to do something even along the lines that the Phoenix Suns did, the accolades will come. People will look at whoever their best bench player is as a six-man candidate. Coach Walton would most guaranteed win the coach of the year. Um, you'd have at least an all-star, if not two, and people in uh, someone in the MVP conversation. Whether or not they win all those things, who knows? But that's the difference in winning. Phoenix was a, was a team just like the Kings, the Timberwolves, um, some of these other teams that have been at the bottom. That's what they've been. And then they got it right with a couple of draft picks. They love their coach. They make the big move to get Chris Paul. And now, this offseason, people wanted to go play with them and for them. In Landry Shamit, um, Alfred Payton, JaVale McGee to already go with the core that helped them become a two-seed and get to the NBA Finals. So the Kings, the things we will talk about a little bit later on that is, are those fourth-quarter struggles? Are Foxes struggles as well and just kind of where this team is right now not just record wise but through three games what do we believe is real what do we believe that can still change and and what are some of these trends that might continue to stick because I think coaches go into a year believing they've got something in one way and it can turn on them I mean oh I've got a great rebounding team and then they don't rebound well or I I don't think we shoot the ball well and then they're a great shooting team things can change as the year goes along and then certainly in the NBA, with being such a long season, sometimes there's roster moves that are made to change that. And that's still, you know, months away with the NBA trade deadline. But tonight, it's the Kings and the Suns. We'll get into that a little bit more in the next hour. Also in the next hour, uh, we, we kind of touched on this earlier in First Things First, but the commissioners talked yesterday, uh, both of them. I know there's multiples, but we're going to talk about Rob Manfred and Roger Goodell. And uh, it might be kind of cringeworthy. We'll let you hear that. Uh, when we come back, though, the World Series, Game 2 is coming up. It's one nothing Series advantage to Atlanta. I had the Astros in five. I guess still could happen, but that was a great win for the Braves to set the tone. We'll talk more about the series when we come back right here on Sports 1140 KHDK.